We're almost at the end of 2022, which is actually hard to believe. And I'm in the pilot parking lot here in Quartzsite, Arizona. This is kind of the Mecca where everybody comes. I am here today to do an iOS update for my phone and I have to have Wi-Fi and I have to be on electricity. Plenty of electricity in the truck, but I need Wi-Fi. So there's a McDonald's here and a pilot and I can use Wi-Fi from either one to do the iOS update. And I'm doing that so that I can get my uh, earbuds to work. <laughs> so that is what is going on uh, and, and that's what I'm doing here today. And it's a great time to kind of reset and think about the future. So I'm going to drop a giant thought bomb on you uh, in this podcast to talk about uh, the, the what I see as the lack of uh, a sort of uh, organizing principle for the future. And it's not a political podcast it is a podcast to help us kind of plan and think forward because I don't think we have that now. So uh, we're going to do it in podcast 1082, Requiem for an American Dream, Bob Davis podcast 1082. Real quick, uh, I know the weather is really variable and crazy up north. And if you're in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know that between the 25th and the 1st of January most years that's when the temperatures really head for the basement and we're not uh you know uh unused to five below and four below and three below and sometimes 20 or 15 below as real temperatures uh in Minnesota and Wisconsin uh at this time of the year and here's the thing what happens is this really puts a lot of strain on heating systems and plumbing and as my friend Greg Ryan has said you don't want to see what happens in a house where the pipes burst. That's worse than a fire. Uh, it's basically a teardown at that point. So you want to maintain the heating systems and the plumbing systems. And if you have problems, you want to get them addressed right away. If you want reliable service, contact Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul, 651-224-4771. In Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. Four generations in St. Paul. Actually, 70 years in St. Paul quality replacement and repair of all plumbing, heating, and air conditioning systems, residential and business. We're not talking about air conditioning other than the fact that air conditioning is heat as well. So if you have problems, you want to contact these guys, especially this time of the year, especially as it pertains to water heaters and pipes and heating. Very important. So check out Ryan Plumbing online at ryanplumbing.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. I have been distracted because I've been working on my writing project. That is now concluded for the time being. This first phase is done. So I'm able to kind of return to the podcasts. And uh, it's kind of like getting back on the horse because I haven't done anything since the 15th or so of uh, December. And here we are almost at the end of December. So I got to do a New Year's podcast and I'm going to throw this one up as well. Maybe even another one. Um, we're in the pilot parking lot, and you can kind of hear that we've got... This is a mecca for all of the kids with the dogs and the ghetto RVs, as well as the people that first get to town and either want to get fuel or figure out what they're going to do and where they're going to go when they get here. So uh, it's not uncommon to uh, to hear some buskers, and we got a busker out there in the front 
of the pilot parking lot playing some blues music and uh, he's doing some kind of a harmonica thing and I'm not even sure if he's playing the harmonica it looks like he is so uh, he's out here he'll be starting and stopping and, and so forth so that's what's going on and it's a great it's kind of a great background for a podcast about the American dream or the uh, a requiem for the American dream and a couple of disclaimers before I start this I've been thinking about this for a while and I've really had to look at some of my assumptions. And so I've retooled this podcast a couple of different times in my mind. And this is like the fourth or fifth attempt to try to talk about this because the American dream means different things to different people, especially now. If we're gonna use this as an opportunity to talk about the future, then uh, the implication is that the American dream is dead and that this is a going to be a dark and negative podcast because Requiem is a mass for the dearly departed or music uh, for the mass for the dearly departed. But I'm using it in a sense as a token of remembrance to uh, an idea that motivated really the World War II generation. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that and, and, and the need for, in my opinion, uh, a new sort of American dream or some kind of new collective vision for uh, how we're going to function in the world. So the American dream is really uh, the creation of James Truslow Adams, who was a historian who created this idea that there should be a dream uh, for all Americans, uh, that people should be able to get ahead and, and achieve success through hard work and uh, dedication and opportunity and education and things of that nature. And, and, and the visual, the advertising American dream that many of us know is one or two cars in the driveway keeping up with the Joneses, you know, a nice suburban house, uh, kids in school, uh, the, the sort of the 1950s um, beautiful picture of the American family. And, and, and most of us, whether it's grandparents, great-grandparents, or parents, we have those black and white pictures uh, in our collection uh, of the family uh, standing out in front of the house with the children. I have that. My sister was about five and I was a baby. My mom and dad standing in front of their suburban house. They lived on something like 56th Street, in south side of Chicago, South 56th, and uh, in a duplex. And uh, my dad uh, managed to get up enough cash to go and build a house in a suburban area, bucolic suburban area, and at that time I think it was a five and three quarters percent loan, and the cost was about $5,400 for the whole house at a time when people earned maybe a hundred bucks a week or 250 bucks a week or 200 or 75 bucks a week. So that was the beginning of the American dream for a lot of people in a certain generation in this country, the baby boom generation. That was what they knew. That's how they grew up, and there were uh, suburban towns, close-in suburban towns, and far-out suburban towns all over America. Levittown on Long Island, uh, you know, Park Forest, uh, Illinois, in the Chicago area. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other ones. You know, Niles Township, and of course, the, the sort of the pinnacle of that visual uh, representation would be California in the 1950s when thousands of people moved west to work in the aerospace industry or in technology 
or finance or, or something to that effect. And California was the dream. And so places like Compton were suburban dreams and uh, Studio City and all these different places in L.A. I don't know. I'm not from L.A. I'm just remembering names. But really, the Valley and all these other places where people lived in the suburbs and you had these beautiful images of people out in California with palm trees in their front yards and lemon trees in the backyards uh, with two cars and again uh, beautiful children in these beautiful uh, architectural sort of ranch homes our house as I recall in the in the Chicago area didn't have a basement that first house that they had and the idea was through education and hard work and and I can remember my dad saying you know you just work hard and tell the truth and you got to go to school and get your sheepskin you know that was the that was how you got ahead and uh, you know adams kind of uh, based it uh back in 1931 on the declaration of independence and the promises of uh, the declaration of independence you know all men are created equal uh liberty justice and and uh, and uh, and equality that type of thing and then sort of constructed this his this thing in 1931 that was an image of an american dream that really advertisers got a hold of and 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 used it and it was sort of a collectively held vision and i want to talk about that generation because there's a reason why it was a collectively held um, image in people's heads and why the advertising of the american dream was so effective because of the struggles of the world war ii generation and I like to tell stories, so, and because this is an easy talker, you'll have to forgive me, but I think, I think people like to hear stories about stuff. So I'll tell a little story about uh, just one family, and, and I think it's important because uh, people do not understand the trauma, uh, I think, that the World War II generation went through. Uh, just a, a quick little factoid my understanding is that at the beginning of World War II, one of the issues with training was most of the uh, people who were enlisting and then later most of the people who were drafted, and this might shock you, had very little uh, experience with firearms. Most of them had never fired a weapon, um, fired a gun, uh, and they they really didn't. Uh, and 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 because they've come down to us in history as this generation of warriors, I think that's really a surprise. And I think part of it was that guns were expensive and uh, uh, hard to get. And, you know, I, I, I'm really actually surprised. Unless you came from a hunting family or lived on a farm, there were an awful lot of people that just had no experience with firearms that ended up in the military and they had to be trained on firearms. So I think that's an important thing to remember this is a group of people that grew up from 1920 through 1926 or 27 who grew up in an era of expansion and the very beginnings of the consumer economy in the in the 1920s in this country during an economic boom and before they even were uh mature so that while they were still children they were thrust into a uh an economic calamity which really was significant, the, the depression. And an example of that, my mom talked about her best friend, Phyllis, who suddenly moved away. She didn't know what happened to her. 
And years later, they met on a bus again. And Phyllis said, well, we just lived two or three blocks away from you. But we had to move because my dad lost his job and we moved in with another family and we were embarrassed. So I never continued the relationship because uh, we were we were just embarrassed. And this happened again and again and again during this period of time. So this wasn't, there was no safety net. And these people really were thrown to the wolves in terms of economics. Uh, many men did not have jobs. Women generally didn't work. My mom's mom worked. And my dad, I mean, my, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, was uh, at the time employed by the prison system in Ohio and also as a bodyguard. And he had a lot of military experience from the uh, turn of the century from World War I. So he, he, he was employable, but he didn't have the jobs that he had before the Depression, and they struggled. And uh, my dad's mom and dad, same thing. They had a little store in a little town in Ohio, and they had to take credit, so that nobody had any money. And my dad talked about onion sandwiches and bean dinners and things of that nature. So this is a very rough period of time for almost everyone. And as they grew up during this period of time, by the time they graduated from high school in 1939 or 1940, they were uh, they were on the verge of this World War II, which was an enormous uh, conflict and really a fight for the life of this country. And so they fe- they sacrificed, and that is the crucible on which this generation was formed. And I think after that war, they just wanted to uh, have kids and get married and have a normal life and stand uh, out in back of their suburban houses and grill steaks and drink Manhattans and and Budweiser beer that you had to open with a can or old style or whatever cheap beer that your parents bought uh, or your grandparents. And that was their life. And so this was this this incredible, uh, the whole country really sacrificed. So all of the adults and particularly the younger generation in that time really suffered. And so after the war, the idea of hard work getting an education, getting your sheepskin, going to school on the GI Bill, and getting a job at a company and, and uh, towing the line and doing a good job and taking care of your family was something that they re- it really resonated with them. And here's the thing, and I'll talk about this in the second half of this podcast. So when we talk about the American dream, I don't have any resentments or negative judgments about my father's generation or depending on your age, your grandparents uh, or even your great-grandparents' generation uh, fully accepting that dream and embracing it as as sort of an overarching uh, logic for what they were trying to do in their life and it was nationwide and everyone was doing it. Everyone was moving to the suburbs and everyone was trying to work their way up at the company. The man in the gray flannel suit, the, even the guys who worked for the mills in Chicago, the steel workers, the auto workers, the guys who were in the unions, they were all trying to give their families better lives. And I think they just wanted to go back to work and try to live their lives. And so after the war, if you could call it a rebalancing of the economy for the United States, we were world power and we grew very quickly. The economic growth was significant after a short recession in 1946. And... Uh, the, uh, the economy grew very quickly into a consumer economy. Today, 70% of the U.S. economy is a consumer economy. When we talk about rebalancing, uh, what we are talking about is rebalancing foreign trade. 
to go from being, uh, you know, exports to to being able to import and have enough income per capita for individual citizens to buy consumer goods or to buy uh, consumer goods from the plants that are making them. China is currently about 38% of their economy is a consumer economy. They're trying to rebalance. I don't think they're going to be able to because freedom is a really important core of what you need to be able to rebalance an economy to a consumer economy. And the only thing I can figure out from the word rebalancing is, aside from currencies and everything else, it's the idea of, of a maturing, developing economy into a mature economy with a balanced export, import, industrial service and consumer economy that was really, uh, you know, in force at the end of World War II in the early 50s and 60s. And it's come down to us as this sort of halcyon dream in which everyone was happy and everything was fantastic. And it wasn't, but that's how it's come down to us. And that's the American dream. And what has always confused me is for the World War II generation, it made perfect sense. But for successive generations, the baby boomers and now millennials and their Gen Z uh, compatriots, it's very interesting to me how they also seem to be adopting this quote-unquote American dream of two cars in the driveway and a big house and being successful and getting an education and, and following through when maybe the dream that we have, as they said in the movie Blow, is the wrong dream. And we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast. I don't have all the details. I have some but I've been telling you that BU Enterprises was going to be expanding and doing some cool things. I've talked about BU. This is the company that does the Zoom conference calls to help you stretch and breathe and get in your body and get some peace uh, and, and help people with that. They're going to expand to virtual uh, you know, yoga and Tai Chi and also actual classes in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area for people to do that. But one of the things that Juliet, who's on a mission to really help people through BU Enterprises, is doing is they're going to do a special class for nomads. So I'm talking specifically to nomads wherever you are. Uh, you'll be able to connect up on Zoom and do Tai Chi uh, in particular. And I think, th I, I hope I'm right about this, but my assumption is that the first few classes are going to be Thursdays at 10 o'clock in the morning. And if you go to buenterprises.com, you will find all the information there. And they're reasonably priced. And again, it's hard to get exercise out here unless you're going to walk a mile to dump your trash, which sometimes I do. Being able to do Tai Chi or do some yoga is uh, really useful and valuable for people uh, of all age and physical fitness levels. So you don't have to be a gym rat to be able to do this. And it's really cool because uh, you can do it out in front of your rig or you can do it in your rig or you can do whatever you're doing or wherever you are. Uh, click on the banner at the top of the page at the BobDavisPodcast.com and it says BU Enterprises, B-E-Y-O-U.com, BU Enterprises.com and uh, find out all about these classes that they're doing, especially for nomads. Let's fast forward a little bit. And I don't want to hit this too hard because I don't think that's... We're in the middle of the holiday season and everybody's waiting for New Year's Eve and they just want to blow off some steam. This has been a very difficult year. 2021 was a very difficult year. And I know because I've been reviewing all of my travels during 2020 and 21 and also this year, the, the, the challenges that people have had to live through. We're not so exposed to them out here, but we've been exposed to a fair number of challenges. 
I see people with uh, flags upside down outside their rigs, which is the sign of distress. Uh, and now people have taken to wearing the sort of Velcro flags on their hats upside down. And when you ask them why they have their flags upside down, they'll tell you, well, the country's in distress and this is why I'm wearing this. And we're divided. And, and I personally believe the division thing is a media construct not dissimilar to the American dream. And this is why the American dream is dead. One of the reasons is all the division and the anger. So when, when, when I've done podcasts over the year or two about travel and about the pandemic, one of the things I often said was never underestimate the value of uh, fear in terms of controlling a population or upsetting, you know, we have a lot of fear at the root of a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger. And that's getting in the way of, uh, of being able to have some kind of a collective idea of what we want to be able to be as a country and a people. And I, I think this is a good time to think about what an American dream would be. We've, we've been adopting the same American dream year after year after year, these same powerful images of, of success being, you know, a house in the suburbs or a house uh, over a lake or, you know, wealth which really wasn't the intention of uh, James Truslow Adams in terms of the um, the actual American dream that was created out of whole cloth uh, in his efforts was really the idea of education, hard work, freedom, and equality. The, 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 wealth and greed really are, are have replaced this sort of beautiful um, dream for the, the people of America, especially the people who had sacrificed so much during World War II. And I, I you know, my, I often talk about uh, my dad and my uncle. My dad was a cook in England, and my uncle was in the 8th Air Force, and he was a side gunner, a belly gunner, and a, a you know, a, a tail gunner in B-17s and B-24s. Had many people, uh, you know, killed around him struggled after the war and he he never had a scratch on him and and my dad's the one that got wounded in an air raid and got the purple heart <laughs> and and i think my uncle could really not understand that over the years why so he had sort of some survivor's guilt there that's the story that has never been told about world war ii because if you told it as it was i don't think people could take it it was very violent very dangerous and and uh, really bloody the air war especially for those guys riding in those bombers and remember we're talking about guys who are 18 19 years old my uncle my dad tried to enlist in 1941 and my grandfather uh, went down there and pulled him out of the line and said you guys are stupid you're just going to get killed if you enlist now wait for them to draft you which they did so this is what this entire generation at some level uh, was introduced to and dealt with and they were just kind of happy-go-lucky kids. Uh, they, we didn't really see generations in the 1940s. They, you were a kid until you were 21, and that was it. Whereas today, you know, we've got teenagers and preteens, and you know, all this other these delineations of generations and so forth. Nobody saw it that way in the 1930s and 40s. So, their sacrifice was significant. And so, again, their American dream was a peaceful dream, and it was accepted, especially the sort of patriotic elements of the American dream, as as uh, as described by uh, James Truslow Adams. 
I think an interesting thing to think about this year, if you can get away from the the screaming and yelling and uh, and the the pounding on talk radio or uh, with certain podcasts and YouTube channels and television, long enough to ask yourself, what kind of a dream would would be something that that we could all sort of think about for the future? And for me, it's uh, it's an unorthodox lifestyle because I'm living an unorthodox lifestyle now. I don't think, especially with technology today and especially with the building blocks that we have coming, they just finally figured out how to make fusion work. So it's going to be a number of years before that technology becomes industry. But we can see maybe the light at the end of the tunnel. And there are going to be challenges, especially economic challenges going forward. And these are going to really shake us to the core. And we're going to need something to be able to say, this is what we're tacking to. This is what we're working toward, is, is a collective vision of what we want to be able to do. And I don't mean collective in terms of communism or anything like that. I'm talking about something that we can all say, here's my version of this idea, and this is what I'm trying to do. And it, it, it should take into account the same kinds of ideas, uh, but but maybe updated so that we're not forcing people into debt to be able to achieve this dream. Because I think the pressures of, especially for young people, to spend $450,000 for a starter home, uh, to have to buy a car that's uh, $65,000 uh, or, or even the cheapest ones, twenty-eight dollars or $29,000, to be saddled with, with student loans and on and on and on, to achieve this dream that is really out of date. Um, and one that parents have signed on to as baby boomers, even though they challenged the American dream uh, when they became adults, because of largely because of Vietnam, but also because of the other things that happened for baby boomers and those who followed the inflation of the 70s and, and other issues, the American dream became this dark, twisted thing that appeared in horror movies and, and, uh, and political thrillers and, and things of that nature. So it's been played with as an artistic uh, and creative instrument for years, but we now do not have a collective vision. We're so busy being negative that we haven't been able to think about, and you don't even have to talk about it with anyone. Just think about it yourself. What would my American dream look like? And for me, it's unorthodox. It's how can I use technology to do what I want to do um, you know, while traveling? Uh, how, how can I achieve success with an artistic business? Things like that. That Those are my dreams. They're not necessarily a house and two kids or even a cabin in the woods. You know, as I've often said, my cabin in the woods has four wheels. Well, actually has six, six wheels uh, and is an old ambulance. That's my cabin in the woods. So yours might be a little bit different. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even begin to be able to say this is what I think the American dream is. It's, uh, it's something that as we basically uh, put the other one to bed, so to speak, uh, or in its grave, so to speak, what do we replace it with? Now, I will definitely, when I do the New Year's Eve podcast, be thanking all the people that contributed to the Bob Davis podcasts over the year of 2022. A lot of people have really stepped up and offered me a lot of support, and not just in terms of money, but in terms of subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and, and on other sources like Spotify and, uh, and Google Podcasts. 
thank you so much, all of you. And thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast at thebobdavispodcast.com right off the page or any of those other syndicators. And now that I'm finished writing, I can start. To, it's weird because when I was writing, I really couldn't think about podcasts. It just, my brain just wouldn't function because it completely, I loved it because it completely consumed almost all of my frontal lobes. <laughs> and I just couldn't, you know, I just loved doing it so much that I couldn't even think about podcasts. So I'm back and I'll be back for a while because this first phase is over and now we have to review and think about other stuff before I get into the second phase. But uh, real happy that I was able to accomplish that uh, in, in a shorter time period than I thought. And I'll tell you all about it in the future. But for now, we're just going to leave it as it is. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1082, Requiem for an American Dream, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Happy New Year. I'll see you again before the end of the year. And uh, <gasps> Now, this is the blue. That was a white man had the blue. Cause nothing to worry about. Now, you lay down at night. You roll from one side of the bed to the other all night long. You can't sleep. What's the matter? The blues has got you. You get up and sit on the side of your bed in the morning. You may have a sister and a brother, mother and father around, but you don't want no talk out of them. What's the matter? The blues got you. Well, you go and put your feet under the table, look down in your plate, got everything you want to eat. But you shake your head, you get up, you say, Lord, I can't eat and I can't sleep. What's the matter? The blues got you. Want to talk to you. Tell what you got to tell them. Good morning, blue. Blue, blue.